Um, I mean, there was no book that was written about how a virgin could have a child. I mean, there was nothing. This was just so far out there. I want you to turn in the book of Luke with me real quick. Um, We're calling this series Breath of Heaven, and it's really based off of two things. This week, we're going to talk about exhaling, and then next week, we'll talk about inhaling, and uh, because that's part of the breath, breathing in. But I, but I want you, just as we, as we talk about this, I want you to think for a minute about how you and I, how we function, that, that we have to do both. You can't, what you needed right now through the breath that you took in is a breath that could kill you if you hang on to it too long, and that you have to actually exhale that breath to be able to take the next one in. You can't just keep, you know, oh, man, that was a good breath. I'm just going to hold on to that the rest of my life. That's not life. What happens in life is, is that we, go, we have to go through that cycle of we take in, we take out. We take in, we take out. We use what we take in, and then when it's used, we release it, and it has another purpose after that. And so we, we have to recognize that this is the way that the breath of heaven operates, the, the life of God that he wants for you and I to have, that this is how that operates through us and, and in us. And Mary really faced this in Luke 2, um, because she faced some challenges as the angel, or Luke 1, excuse me, as the angel appeared to her. And I'm just going to go through this real quick with you. Uh, so if you want to highlight these verses in your Bible, or uh, maybe you're writing them down. But in uh, verse 29, she sees the angel. Uh, she was troubled at his saying, and she cast in her mind what manner of salutation that this should be from an angel. The angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father, David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom. There will be no end. Now, let me tell you, that is one salutation. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, I mean, he got right to the point with her. I'm here for one purpose, to tell you you're going to have a son, his name is Jesus, and this is what he's going to do. And of course, whenever the word comes into our life, just as it went here to Mary, this word from God that was given to her, doubt will surface. And that's a good thing. We want doubt to surface in our lives. Um, you know, unresolved doubts will, re, re, will reshow themselves up in our life. So we always want to deal with when the word, when we're reading the word, when we're studying the word, and we're learning about faith, Doubt will rise up. But what do we do with those doubts? Well, the Bible tells us in the book of Mark chapter 11 not to doubt in our heart. It doesn't necessarily mean that we won't doubt. It's just what are you going to do with the doubt? Don't let doubt reside in your heart. Everybody here has doubts, right? Everybody does. So we all deal with that. And just because we read something that God said doesn't mean our doubts go away. I mean, this is a very miraculous thing that's happening here. As you well know, an angel's appeared to her she's a virgin. She's like, I don't know, how is this all going to play? You know, there's all so many contingencies involved with this, her relationship with Joseph, who she's espoused to, all the things that could come out of that if uh, he found, when he finds out that she's going to be pregnant. So here's what happens. Mary said unto the angel, how can this, see, how can this be, seeing I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, the Holy Ghost shall come upon you, the power of the highest shall overshadow you, Therefore, the holy thing which shall be born of you shall be called the Son of God. 
And behold, your cousin Elizabeth, she has also conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. And then he says in verse 7, the angel says this, For with God nothing shall be impossible. The New American Standard, I believe it is, that translates this verse, No word of God shall be void of, or empty of power. Every word that God speaks will be full of the power that it's needed to carry out what is said. So verse 38, and this is where I really wanted to focus on tonight. So Mary said, Behold, the handmaiden of the Lord, be it unto me according to your word. And then that's it. That's it. Right here, that's it. She's pregnant. So the, the power of God overshadows her, and she, the, the word that's been put into her heart, uh, put into the seed that's been cast to her, of that you will have a son, she ends up, she is pregnant now. And it was basically just off of her saying, be it unto me according to what the word that you have spoken, and that word came to pass. So there's two things that are happening in this story. One is there's an exhaling that's taking place, her doubt, her concerns, she's what she's not sure about, but there's also an inhaling, a receiving of what it is that's being offered to her. And so you're going to have both in your life, and we have to have both in our lives. I love this passage in the Old Testament. This is out of Psalm chapter 46 and verse 10. It's one I'm sure some of you will be familiar with tonight, and it's this one. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations, and I will be exalted in the earth. Now, if you study this, the words be still in the Hebrew language, the words be still actually mean, can mean let go, let go. So when you read this passage, it could read this way, let go and know that I'm God. That's a little different than be still. You know, when we think about be still, it means just kind of stand still. And, but to, to let go, to let go of whatever you're dealing with, to let go of whatever your doubts are, to let go of whatever frustrations you have and know that he is God. Years ago, um, uh, Candy Stapleton, Candy, what was what, what? Staten, Staten, yeah, great singer. She wrote a song called "Let Go and Let God," and uh, a lot of people have quoted that song through the years. And it, it's a powerful song because what we have to recognize in our lives is we're not going to go anywhere with God unless we let go of first. You have to exhale before you can really receive what God wants to do. That's what Mary had to do. She had to say, look, I hear what you're saying. I get it. But how's that going to happen? Then she has to make the choice. Well, then for this to happen, I let go. I say, be it unto me, which means I let go of my doubt, my fear, my concerns, whatever I'm dealing with. I let go of that and say, yes, Lord, be it unto me according to your word. In fact, if you read this verse in the message translation, it says it like this. Step out of the traffic and take a long, loving look at me, your high God, above politics and above everything else. And I like that. Take a, take a look at me. Stop looking at what's going on. Take a step away from it and look at me. So when you and I, when we say be still and know that I am God, we could say it in this way um, for ourselves. Let go and know that I am God. You say, well, pastor, what if I do, I mean, if I let go, you know, then what, what, what's going to happen? What, what's going to happen is what God said is going to happen. You have to let, he's not telling you to let go of the circumstance. He's telling you to not let go of him. 
Let go of whatever's holding you back. But don't let go of him. Keep looking at him or grasping hold of him or holding on to the ideal that God has given to you. <coughs> Excuse me. For you and I to do that, I think some things have to happen, some things that we have to let go of. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 says this, Therefore we also, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. You know, when I, when I was training for basketball, I used to wear ankle weights. And I would run in these ankle weights. And I had the old kind. They're, you know, now they're real fancy. But I had the kind you had to lace up. And they had little metal rods you had to put in it. And so it looked like the top, it sat on top of your shoes. And uh, now they have these real fancy ones you just strap on. And, but back then I was like, man, this will really, really help me. So I put those ankle weights on and I took off. And you know, I would get out there running and I would jump. And I'd play basketball with those ankle weights on. But it was an amazing thing. Eventually, you become used to the weight that you're carrying. And what happens is you really don't know how much that weight is affecting you until you take the weight off. And when you take that weight off of your ankles, all of a sudden, you feel like you're flying. You feel like you could jump up over the rim. You feel like you could, you know, run way. You can't. You don't. But it feels like you can because a weight has been lifted that encumbered you or that held you back. This is what happens in our lives, that we get into these places in our lives and to be able to move forward, to be able to really be able to take in what God wants to do in our life, we're going to have to exhale, we're going to have to release things that, that, that we're holding on to, things that maybe that have happened in our lives in the past. So I'm going to talk to you about three things that we need to let go of if you're keeping notes, writing notes tonight. This passage tells us to let go of sin and weights. There's two types of sins that we deal with in our lives. One is commission. That's the things we know we're doing wrong. We all know what those things are, and we still do them anyway. Even though we know it's wrong, we're still doing that. That's one type of sin. Another is the sin of things that we know we ought to do and we're not doing. So things that, you know, I should have helped that person. I should have I should, all the should-ofs that we have in our lives, the things that we, we deal with. Those are sins that we deal with in our life. And the good news is, is that God tells us that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. So it's not like God's in heaven going, well, you know what, you've sinned, you're stuck with your sin. God says, I'm a, I am redemptive and I forgive your sin. All I'm asking you to do is to confess those sins. So when we are letting go of sin and the weights that we deal with, what we're doing is, is that we are releasing them, <coughs> excuse me, we're releasing them to God. Hey, Ken, can you bring my uh, cup up here to me, please? Sorry. I'm on the tail end of this deal. Thank God. I'm much better. I, did, uh, I, I didn't tell you guys this at the beginning, but we did. Uh, I went over to Dr. Barkley's ministry today and we shot, I just did this this afternoon, we shot four programs. We were only going to do maybe two or three and it ended up, we talked about his I predict that we do every year, and so we ended up doing, so that took uh, almost three hours, and uh, so my th voice is a little bit, but I'm excited about Jesus, so I'm going to preach hard, and then, amen, but I might hack a little bit, so pardon that, okay? But let go, we have to let go of the sin and the weights. Isn't that something that we would say, well, you got to let go of it? I mean, why would we have to let go? 
because what we have done is we've become used to having that in our lives. We become used, just like I talk about those ankle weights, we become used to living that way. And it feels awkward to be without it. And so we live that way. We, we function that way. Um, you know, no matter what you try to overcome in your life, it's not going to be comfortable for you as you're overcoming it. And it doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of like, um, you know, if you want to overcome food, then you fast. You don't diet, you fast. And when you fast, your body automatically grieves. It grieves because it wants, it wants food. It, and it doesn't matter what food you, we're going to fast in January for 21 days. We do a, you know, we, we invite people to give up something. No matter what it is you want to give up, no matter what it is you, it could be TV, your body immediately will become eccentric and focused on what you're trying to give up. And it'll be sad that you're not going to have that. Because you're comfortable with that. You're used to that. You want to overcome, you know, poor eating habits? Then I'm just going to eat salads all for that 21 days. That's all. Your body will immediately begin to crave meat. Right? Isn't it true? I know all of you guys have fasted before. It's, it's the way that, you know, I'm going to give up. I'm giving up candy. Man, I'm telling you, you're going to see candy commercials. You're going to walk in the store. They're going to have Valentine candy out already. You know, you're going to like going to... You're going to go to people's houses and they're going to have bowls of chocolate sitting out on the table while you're visiting. I mean, it, you, you go to small group, life group, and they're passing around chocolate that night. For They never have done that before, but the night that you're fasting chocolate, that's the night that they're going to have it there. You know, we told you at the beginning of the year, we, you know, I gave up sugar. This is the hardest time of year. That old sugar devil... I mean, it's a tough one to give up because, you know, this woman here, she's got to do the Christmas cookies in the house. They're all over our table. Is that your crack that you put, candy that you put in my office? And I mean, that, oh my gosh, and I know that's, that stuff is like heaven. Oh my, crack, it's, what's it called? They call it crack. Yeah, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, Carrie's not selling crack, okay? I just want to make sure you guys... <laughs> or giving it away. <laughs> but it, it, it's really, what is it called though, really? Oh, yeah. It's caramel and chocolate and Chex Mix. And you just, and you can't like, you can't just like go, I'm just going to eat one little piece. We had one friend of ours tell us that she said, you know what? I lost 60 pounds. She said, I know the day that she put 35 of it back on. She says, I can tell you the day it happened. It was the day I told myself, you know, I've done so good. I'm just going to have one Snicker bar. And one Snicker bar can take you out. See, my point is with that is, is that you're, you're, we become comfortable with the weights. We become comfortable with the sins. It was hard for me to give up alcohol because everything that I, my life was associated with alcohol. You know, I, you don't just go to a bar and not drink. You don't just hang out with your friends and not drink. Everything that I did was comfortable that way. Do drugs, drink alcohol, party down, Right. But the thing is, is that when, when I became a Christian I, and I decided to, that I was going to break away from that kind of lifestyle, it was totally uncomfortable because I was in a, in a whole new environment. And in fact, for a while there, I had to break away from some of my friends because of that they were not, I had to exhale them. Not that I don't care about them, I just had to remove that from my life. So just saying get rid of the sin and the weight is not always an easy thing. 
But here's the great good news. Jesus is involved in this. You're not doing it by yourself. Amen. That's what grace does. Grace is the ability to, gives you the power to be able to do what the word of God says. And so God's grace will work in our lives to help us. David said in Psalm 51 verses 10 through 12, create in me, God, a clean heart, renew a right spirit within me, cast me not away from your presence and do not let take the Holy Spirit from me, restore unto me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a free spirit. There is that exhale. So what we have to do is we exhale. So let me just tell you some sins and weights that we have to, I'm just talking about the couple of things here. One is you have to exhale regret. You gotta exhale it. Because you gotta live your life without regret. Life's too big to live with regret. I should have done this. I wish I had said this. I wish I had, you know, I wish I had, I wish I had done a, gotten in a different job. I wish I had married a different man. I wish all the things that you could regret in your life. But look, that's all in the past. And so you can't do anything about what you regret. You can't go back and change what, what has been messed up, what, what you have failed at. So the best thing you can do with regret is get rid of it. Is just say, look, I'm exhaling this out of my life. I'm not going to let this be in here. It was for a different time. And so what we have to do is we have to exhale that regret. And I think another thing that really we have to exhale, and this is a real tough one, is old vision. Old vision in our things, you know, the, the way, and we do this in our lives. There are all kinds of stuff. And we just went through this in this big renovation that we did here. And Chuck and Carrie and I and all of us, we would like go through stuff in our offices and we're getting ready to get the classrooms ready and do the offices, and we'd find stuff that we use like way back, and we look at it and go, well, what do we do with this? Because it has nothing to do with what we're doing today, and it has nothing to do with what we will do tomorrow. And so you look at this and you go, what do we do with this? So a, a common phrase that we began to talk about, it's old vision. You can either give it away, right, like, think about it in your closets right now at your house. There's old vision in those closets. Stuff you're not going to wear. Stuff you're not going to use in your basement. And it, it's just sitting there. And it's just collecting dust. It's old vision. It was for another time. You know, and, and, and so what we have to do in our lives, we have to exhale old vision. Here, here's why. Because, um, you know, there's a fire in your life. There is a fire that is in your life. The Bible tells us that we are to stir up the gift of God that is in us in the book of Timothy. We're to stir up that fire that's inside us. God isn't going to stir it up. You've got to stir it up. So if you're waiting on God to come down and stir the fire inside of you, God's saying, hey, that's, your, that's a fire that's in you. I gave you the fire. You stir that fire up. It says to, to rekindle the embers in the amplified version, this, this fire that's on the inside of you. You know, it's, if, you, if you understand about fire, the ashes on, a, in, on top of wood actually begin to cause the fire to go down. But that ash at one point was an important part of that fire, wasn't it? It was what, it was, what was used prior to becoming ash. It was what was used for fuel in that fire. But if that ash is allowed to remain in that, on that wood, it will eventually, it will cause the fire to begin to, <coughs> to dissipate. What you have to do is you have to clear away the ash so that that fire can, you have to stir it up. You got to, as, as, as Scrooge told Marley, poke it. You got to get in there and you got you to push it. You got to make, you got to put some life into it. 
You have to do that in your spiritual life too. You know, if the greatest day of your Christian walk was something that happened to you 10 years ago, I'm telling you, you're covered with ash. You need to get in there and, man, push that around. If all that you can reflect on in your greatest spiritual growth is something that happened before, that's old vision. That's old. That's not to, well, I remember when, I don't, it doesn't matter because that was then, this is now. <coughs> Good preaching, Pastor. But I know how easy that is. You know, in our lives, we get caught up and talk about, well, I remember when, and I remember how this was, and I remember how that was, and nothing wrong with reflecting all of that, but why should that be your greatest days? Why should it just be about you and I talking about the way it used to be? I remember when I used to go to the house of the Lord, and it was really awesome, and man, worship was so powerful. God was really speaking to me, and, you know, and I just could feel his presence so strong. And, you know, when people have come to me and says, I just don't feel God's anointing anymore. Well, God didn't go anywhere. I'll just wait a minute for that to settle in. God did not go anywhere. What happens is, is that old vision that we just need to move to the side in our lives. Because that was yesterday. And it was powerful and it was good. It doesn't mean it was a bad thing. It was a great thing. But we have to move that aside so that we can move forward to what God wants to do right now. Stir up that gift that's on the inside of you. So you gotta let go of old vision. You gotta let go of negativity. Sometimes letting go of negativity means letting go of some people. Negative people. That all they do is just wanna tell you what's wrong with you. You don't need that, I don't need that. They gotta go, okay? You gotta let go of the sin and the weight of bitterness, anger, and unforgiveness. You know, as we're heading into this new year, we have to let go of those things. We, that has to be a choice that we make. Jesus said, Lord, we forgive, forgive us as we forgive others. It's, not, it's because what the Lord wants you to remember is he's forgiven you so much, and he wants you to forgive others. He wants you to live in a constant lifestyle of forgiveness in your life. Now, that doesn't mean you trust everybody, because you can't. You can't do that because some people do violate your trust. But you can forgive. Forgiveness is a choice that you make in your life. So part of this exhale that we have to do in our life is we have to let go of bitterness, anger, and unforgiveness. Whatever you rehearse in your life, you nurse in your life. I'm not going to get too deep into this because I, I don't have enough time tonight, but when you rehearse something, you begin to, in your mind, you begin to create neural pathways to that, to that pain. It's real. When someone hurts you, there's emotion that's tied to that hurt. Would you agree with that? So there's emotion that's tied to that. The more that you rehearse what happened, either in your head or to other people, and typically no one just rehearses hurt in their head, they rehearse it to everybody around them, okay? To whoever will listen. The more that you rehearse it, the more that you create basically a roadway to the pain that's in your life over that situation. So it's going to be real hard for you to overcome that pain as long as you continue to rehearse that in your life. What you have to do, because you're nursing it, you're keeping it alive, you keep, I mean, I've watched it happen uh, over and over and over. What we have to do is we have to make a choice is I'm done rehearsing this in my life. I'm done rehearsing these stories. I'm done rehearsing the pain. I'm done rehearsing what my dad did to me. I'm done rehearsing what my mom, you know, I need to be able to talk about those things without the emotion of 
you know, that pain that I felt in my life. And the only way that's going to happen is, is that I have to create a new neural pathway. I have to create a new, new roadway to, that, to, that, to, to something much more positive, which is the Word of God. You've got to exhale first before you can inhale. You can't take another breath in until you get rid of the one that you've already got. And so what has to happen in our lives is, is that we, we, we have to exhale these things. We have to let go of these things. I think another thing that has to be let go of is bad experiences. And we've all had those. And, and we've been through them. Don't let those become the identifying things of your life. It's important. Uh, this will sound bad, but I, I don't mean it to sound bad. But it's important that you and I experience failure in our life. It really is. And it's important that we let our kids experience failure. And it's, you say, well, I don't want them to go through failure. It's part of the learning process. Now, I'm not saying that, look, you want to create opportunities to fail. That's not what I'm saying. But what we have to do is we have to teach people. We have to teach our kids. We have to teach our, our grandchildren. We have to teach ourselves that it's in those failures that we learn the most. People don't learn in success. They just don't. In success, we celebrate. Good things happen, praise God. You know, when our ministry was going through some really difficult days, we learned a lot. We learned a lot about each other. We learned a lot about God. We learned a lot about our own fears. We learned, we learned a lot. And that's a great thing. That's what, that's what successful people do is they learn how to overcome failure. You're all going to deal with it. How many of you have ever dealt with a failure? Something just didn't work out. You set out to do it. You had all your ducks in a row. You were ready for it to work. And bang. Something went wrong. Maybe you didn't have any control over what happened, but something went bad. Something didn't turn out right. What are you going to do with that? What are you going to do with that? You and I, we have to exhale, we have to exhale those things that can hurt us. So we have to let go. Let go. When you and I let go, we are allowing God to be seen through our lives. I had this one uh, young lady that I was counseling and you know, her reputation was is that she's so negative and she goes ballistic anytime that she doesn't like what's going on around her. You know who hated hearing that the most? Her. She hated that about herself, but she knew that she was trapped because that was how she learned to respond to life was to become ballistic, to go crazy, to start saying nasty stuff. And Everybody around her just, you know, as soon as something went wrong, guess where everybody was? everybody's running for the hills. Maybe you worked with somebody like this. Thank God I haven't had to work with anybody like that. But, but uh, you know, they, they, just, they just go off. She was a, what Carrie, was te- Carrie has taught us before she was a grenade. She'd just blow, you know, somebody pull her pin, and you got three seconds to get out of the way. But what she had to learn and what she had to, what she had to do was to face and be reflective about that, that I've got to let go of this anger that I feel. And I have to begin to build more positive, affirming things into my life. I need to recognize why it is I'm like this and, and begin to go through. And she worked through those failures. And she's blown it, you know, a few times since we've started working together. But, you know, as she's worked through that, what ends up happening is then she begins to learn about how to be how to overcome it. You, one of our favorite quotes. It's a Marine Corps quote, but you know, you innovate, you adapt, and you overcome. And so, you know, you have to innovate in bad situations, and that's what she's had to do. But she had to let go of a lot of stuff before that's going to happen. You got to let. You got to exhale it. So let go of the weights and the sins. 
So the next thing, the number two, I told you there were several. You have to let go of self. You know, it's this time that I spent with Doc Barkley, we talked a lot about his word for the Lord, which I'll get into in January, but it is about consecration. That this is a time for us to be, that God is calling his people to consecration. Do you know how few things today are sacred? I mean, God's sacred. I mean, even people's Bibles are not sacred anymore. I mean, it, it, it used to be that the Bible, what, if the Bible said it, that settled, you know, I believe it, that settles it. That's not the way it is. Today, when we see stuff in the Bible, people say, the Bible says it, but what does it really mean? It doesn't mean what God said. or the right, uh, That's not right. That, the writers had that in error when they did that, or that's not the right interpretation or whatever. So there are very few things that are sacred in the church. There are few things. This is where Israel really got into trouble um, and lost. They lost the ark because of this. Because you read Malachi, they lost everything because of what they were doing. The Israelites were not taking the seriousness, the gravity of sacredness. They become more about themselves, and so they profaned everything that was godly that once was godly. So when we begin to profane everything that was godly and important and sacred in our lives. Nothing is consecrated, and we're definitely not consecrated. So when I talk about letting go of self, what I'm saying to you and I is is that God called us to a consecrated life as Christians. Jesus said in Luke chapter 9, verse 23, if any man will follow me, and I think that's really awesome, if any man will follow me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow after me. Let him deny himself, take up his, let him deny himself. So I want to be a follower of Christ. What does that look like? Well, I believe in Jesus. That isn't enough to be a follower of Christ. You believe in Jesus. The devil believes in Jesus. I mean, that, to be a follower of Christ means what I want is now not most important. So I have to exhale this. This is another thing we have to, and we're going to be exhaling a lot of that this coming year, I believe, that we just have to take myself out of the way, what I want. And what I feel like should be happening and saying, God, look, you're in charge. You're in charge of me. You know, it was funny. I was talking to um, Mark Chaffin about this because, you know, he's getting ready to do do this series on finances. And uh, and he's going to talk about tithing in that process. And I said, Mark, let me, if, if I know that people, you know, I know that people in our church will hear that message on tithing and they'll be like, praise God, it's exactly right. That's what I'm doing. And I'm going to keep doing that. But I said, what would happen at Amazing Grace Church if 100% of the people that went to church here became tithers? What would happen, Carrie? I mean, what would happen to the finances? Would they double? Would they triple? They might triple, actually. Might be maybe more than that, even. If everybody got on board and said, you know what? From this day forward, in 2018, I'm going to be a tither. And we had 100% participation you know that the tithe is a sacred thing. I mean, I, I didn't, you know, I'm just, I'm just in sales, not management. I didn't write the Bible. I know some people look at you like, why are you saying that? Because God said it. That's why we say it. God said this. We're just repeating what God said. God teaches us the principles of increase in our lives are that you and I, that we sow, and as we sow, we reap back into our lives. Tithing is one of those first primary principles. But in the book of Malachi, 
If you're doing the yearly reading with me, you're getting that probably in those chapters right now. And when you read there, they didn't take their tithe serious anymore. They were like, hey, what do we got left over we could give to God? What aren't we using anymore? Let's give that to the church. Let's give that to God. Because, you know, why should we give him our best stuff? We need our best stuff. Well, part of what has to happen is we have to exhale. <laughs> we have to exhale ourselves. We have to exhale our, we have to get, we have to let go of those things in our own life. And that takes real, that takes real humility. It takes real humility for a person to just say, I'm going to let go of that. I think the thing that helps us to be able to do that is remember how you became a Christian. You brought nothing to the table. It was all God helping you. You cried out to him because you knew you needed, you knew you needed a Savior. You know, when I reflect upon my salvation in my life, and, uh, and I do it quite often, I am just overwhelmed by the goodness of God and why he would even why he would even want to help me, as much stupidity that was a part of my life. And so when we focus on that, what happens is that brings us into a place of humbleness. When I gaze upon the cross, it humbles my heart. I don't think of what I've done to attain that cross. I think of what he did for you and me. When we talk about all of this, the Christmas stuff, it's not about what I've done. It's not about some, you know, some experience that, that, that I have created. It's about the experience that he created through his great sacrifice for you and I. Amen? And so that really brings us into a place of humility. That's why, that's why the scriptures tell us that, look, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and he'll exalt you. That when you and I, when we just say, look, Lord, I, I didn't do this. You did this. You saved me. You provided this. I, I just received what you did. That's all I did. And I'm grateful for that. I mean, how can you not be grateful that you're not going to hell? Unless you don't understand what hell is. How can we not be grateful that God liberates us from bondage, from the curse of the law? We don't have to live our lives worrying about the next thing that we do could be the thing that takes us out. Man, I'm glad for that, aren't you? I'm so glad for that. So we have to let go of self, let go of self. The Apostle Paul said it really powerfully in the book of Philippians 3. If you want to flip over there with me, we're almost done. Philippians chapter 3. And uh, this, is, this is what he said to the church of Philippi. He said, the things that were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ, Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and I do count them but dung, that I may, that I may win Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. You know, all of us have stuff in our life that we could point to that somehow is some kind of an accomplishment in our life. But Paul's saying, look, all my accomplishments are nothing but, you know, are nothing but, nothing but dung. You know what dung is, and some of you have more modern translations. I heard Brother Copeland say, why are you bragging about your outhouse? And I think that's really, you know, when you go to somebody's house, they, you, if you ever been, how many of you have ever used an outhouse before? You know what an outhouse is. So, you know, an outside toilet. And so, 
You know, when you go to somebody's house and they're showing you around the house, they never take you out to the outhouse and say, hey, I just wanted to show you my outhouse. How why, why don't they take you to the outhouse? Because it stinks. It has one purpose, and we don't go in that outhouse. We don't go in there to read. We don't go in there to do anything but to do our business and get out of the outhouse, right? And get us away from it as fast as we can, right? Yeah, it's not a favorite place to go, but it's a necessity. So what Paul's saying is, look, if, if I was going to brag, I'm not going to brag about who I was and what I did because that's my outhouse. So you and I, all our works that we would just like to brag to God about or to others about, about I did this, I did this, I did this, we need to exhale those things and say, Lord, what I'm pursuing is after you. I'm not pursuing after the stuff that I think makes me important. I'm pursuing after the things that you have done, and that's what makes me important. You have to exhale that. Last thing, we have to exhale. We have to let go. We have to let go of time, energy, and resources. Jesus said this in John chapter 4, verse 34 through 35. My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do you not say four months more and then the harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Even now the reaper draws his wages. Even now the he harvests the crop for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Here's what the Lord is trying to say through this. We have to let go of those things that are cluttering the purpose of God. Yeah, I believe God wants us to have prosperity in our lives, but not so we can sit around and feel secure in our prosperity. God wants you to prosper so that you can build his kingdom because the fields are white unto harvest. You and I, I, the church is not built by one person. The church is built by all the people. So all of us have to serve. All of us have to find ways to contribute to what's happening, contribute financially, contribute our time, you know, to, to, to contribute our energy. It takes a lot of time, energy, and resources for this to happen. Even on a Thursday night with a lower crowd, it still takes a lot of time, energy, and resources to make that happen. I mean, our worship team does not just come in at 7 o'clock, you know, from the back room and start playing. They've already been here since 4.30, getting things ready, getting prepped, getting prayed up, getting ready to do what they need to do. So there's a lot of time, not 4.30, what time do you guys come? 5.30 on I think it's 5.30. So there's a lot of prep time to get this. I didn't just, like this sermon, you know, go, yeah, let's see what I got in the old drawer and pull something out, you know, from way, way back. That's old vision. I can't, I'm not going to use that. Um, you know, I want a fresh word from God. Amen. You deserve a fresh word from God. You came here on a Thursday night, man. But it takes time, energy, and resources. So what we have to remember is that's part of our exhale. God's putting into our life we're exhaling back through service. We do it through giving. We do it through being a blessing. And that's because the fields are white unto harvest. The fields are white unto harvest. Someone one time asked my pastor, they said, um, you know, why do you do it? Why do you do it? Why do you help people? Why do you, why do you go travel all over the country? He, 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 he travels, he's at least on the road 320 days out of the year. Flying somewhere, driving somewhere, preaching somewhere, 320 days out of the year. Now, someone asked him, well, why would you do that? And especially when people tell lies about him and say crazy stuff and treat him bad, and why would you do that? He says, well, for one, I don't do it for that. I do it for the Lord. 
I do it because of my love for Christ. I do it because of what Jesus did for me. Why do Sharon and I serve here? Why are Chuck and Carrie? It's not because you know, we're getting overwhelmingly wealthy from being here. We do it because we love Christ and because he called us to do it. And we want to be obedient to the heavenly calling that he's put upon our lives. And that's why you do what you do. You're not an usher or a greeter or a musician or whatever capacity because there are some kind of a significance that's tied to that position. You do that because of a love for Christ, because you're exhaling, because God's put something in you and you exhale it back through service, you exhale it through time, energy, and through your resources. I love you, Lord Jesus. You know, when was the last time you brought, I'm not, I'm not being, I don't know, maybe you've done this recently, but when you brought your tithe and your offering up, you said, I love you, Lord Jesus. Just glad to be able to do this today. Instead of, Lord, here, I'm gonna give what I got. You better give me what I want. You better take care of my needs. I'm doing what you said to do. See, when we get into that kind of place, we're not exhaling. We're exhaling the wrong stuff, okay? What we need to recognize is that love is the basis of our walk with God and in in the, in the basis of his kingdom. So we have to let go of our time, our energy, our resources, and that allows room for God's work to get completed. It allows work, his work to get completed. Philippians chapter 3, verse 12, a little later there in ver, from verse 7, says this. Paul said, you know, I haven't attained or am I already perfected, but I press on that I could lay hold of that which for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I don't count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, I forget those things. There's your exhale. I forget those things that are behind me, okay? That was great then, but it's not today. I forget those things that are behind me. You know, he could get out, Paul could get out his credentials, his degrees, and say, look who I was. I was the Pharisee of all Pharisees. I was taught by Gamaliel, this great, you know, everybody knew who that was. He was an awesome instructor. I had the best teachers. I have the best pedigrees. I have the, the, the best well. I have all this stuff. And he says, that's my outhouse. I don't want to go there. I want to take you to what God called me to do today, where I'm going today. So he says, I forget those things that are behind me, and I reach forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So I'm going to press forward. Now, next week, we'll talk about inhaling. What do we take in? What should, as we release, what are we going to take in from God? The breath of heaven. The breath of heaven. Hallelujah. You know, we're unique creatures in the fact that we tend to romanticize stuff in our past. Now, it could be, it's weird how we'll do this as people, and we, I've talked with this a little bit with some of my, um, my uh, ministry students. We, we romanticize things that were crazy in our past. When I say romanticize, we make them sound better than what they actually were. All of us have experiences here that when we went through them, we did not enjoy them. But today we laugh about them. We have a different perspective about them, right, in our life. If you and I, and this is a forbidden thing in Scripture, if you and I say, the former days were better than these, we have sinned. It is forbidden in Scripture. You can look it up yourself. 
to say that the former days were better than these. These are your best days. Say that out loud with me. These are my best days. Stand up, please. Amen. Father, I pray tonight. Lord God, I know how easy it is. We just stuff in our past that we look at. Some that, God, we are ashamed of. We need to exhale that, get rid of that. Stuff, Lord God, that we've romanticized, Lord, in our lives, that it was, was really awesome when that was. And Lord, we remember that it wasn't that awesome. It was really hard. It was tough. It was a tough time in our lives when we just had macaroni and cheese to live on, Lord God. It was a tough time when we lived off ramen noodles, and that was all we had, and that's all we could afford. Lord, it was tough. And God, what we choose to do tonight is to blow the ashes, to, to exhale, to release those things that could be weights and sins in our life, things that could encumber us, Lord God, that could... They could hold us back from moving into, from taking in and inhaling the true breath of God, the life of God for today. So, Father God, I just thank you. I thank you for the work that you're doing in the life of every believer here. God, as we go through this, this holiday season, Lord God, that I just believe this will be a great time of growth, Lord Jesus. I believe we'll really experience, just like what Mary did, Lord God, where we're saying yes to what you have said. Lord, I'm reminded this evening about what Philemon chapter, verse 6 says. That, Lord, that through the acknowledging that, Lord, that you and I, that the communication of our faith comes to pass as we acknowledge every good thing that is in us in Christ Jesus our Lord. Lord, may this be a season of acknowledgement of who you are and what you have done, Father God, and what you're going to do in our lives. Lord, I just I believe that 2018 is going to be an absolutely incredible phenomenal year, Lord God, in so many ways. But Lord, I know that it can't be what you want it to be in our lives as long as we, Lord, have taken, we're, we're, we're refusing to exhale. So we're not going to wait to exhale. We're just going to release, Lord God, what needs to go. Bitterness, go. Unforgiveness, go. Past vision, go. We learn from you, now go. We release that, Lord. We, Father God, we truly want all of who you are and all that you want to be in our lives. And we thank you for your great grace and your great goodness in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, before you go, I got an assignment for you. I want you to find one person that you can pray for. Ask them what you can pray for them for, and then I want you to pray with them, okay? And then you can be dismissed. So find you somebody, just get around. Not me, find somebody that you can pray with and ask them, what can I pray for you? What can I pray for you for?